holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. All rise for the national anthem of Formula One. It's so true. I know you guys. Six years on the trot, it has it has been the constructor champion. So it may as well. I mean, we hear it every single race weekend. When's the last time we didn't hear it? That's a question that I'm going to have to bust out like the media guide for. Yeah, Mm, man. Well, first off, though, let's let's congratulate. Mercedes, six years of dominance, truly something special. So Wow. Just wow. So, without any further ado, we're going to fade this one out. We're going to fade in the national anthem of the Formation Lapidonia. And, uh, we're gonna... The nation of the Formation Lap. <laughs> Hello, our dear subjects, <laughs> slash listeners, slash fans, if we have those. Uh, <laughs> if anyone's listening. Cue the tunes. <laughs> this is the Formation Lap. Welcome, everybody, to the Formation Lap, the only podcast that talks about all of the motorsports happenings going on exclusively in Mario Kart Tour. We're talking about the Japanese Grand Prix in the Tokyo Rush course of the uh, Tokyo Tour, I think is what... I'm dating myself. People are going to be like, oh, it's currently the... Yeah, dude, this is like N64 references you're dropping here. No, so actually, careful. Mario Kart Tour is the, uh, is the, it's the app. Oh, is it an app? Yeah, it's an app now. and they Now have a, I'm they aging have a, myself. Yeah, Good they, oh, Lord. man. Anyway, I'm the young and spry Luke. You're something. I'll give you that. And I'm joined, of course, as always, by old man Tim. Old crotchety Tim. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, if you want to bring crotchetys into this, you, you do that. <laughs> but uh, we're here to talk about the actual Japanese GP at Suzuka. Let's start off with the track that... It, you gotta love this track. We talked, we just gushed about it last week, and this week, uh, no different, right? It's it's a, no. it's the perfect Formula One track. It really is. I I love the racing that goes on around here, and the fact that the weather is always a question the, <laughs> to the point where we had qualifying in the race in the same day. And you know what? I liked it. Yeah, I, it was really really cool. I love the fact that Australians were like waking up. They're like, oh my gosh, it's all on midday. This is the best day ever. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, Australians got nothing done on Sunday (laughs) at all. I don't blame them though. Americans got no sleep whatsoever. One of the one of my one of my other favorite things is the fact that um, I think the race started at about one a.m. for most, or the qualifying started like one a.m. for most of Great Britain, uh, or the EU, or at least Great Britain, England, 
Uh, so they were like, oh, man, do I stay up for this? Or, like, what do I do? I'm like, welcome to our world as Americans. That is, like, 14 races a year we have to <laughs> balance that. <laughs> welcome to our hell. Yeah. yeah. N- now you guys want to know why we don't live tweet during the races very often? Because we're all asleep. Yeah, we record them. <laughs> deeply, deeply asleep. And then we pray that our, you know, our uh, DVR services actually work. Like mine didn't. No. Looking at you, PlayStation View, my, not thrilled. My PlayStation View recorded. Well, mine didn't, and oh. I'm pissed. Oh. So I had to go to my F1 TV Pro, which guess how many times that crashed? <laughs> A bunch. <laughs> I, if I you. if I looked at it funny, it it crashed. Now, granted, I have. Who crashes more in the Formula One world, F1 TV Pro or Robert Kubica? F1 TV Pro. Ooh. It's not even close. Okay. F1 TV Pro outcrashes Maldonado. Oh, I was going to bring it past him. It, yeah, it's it is that bad. Our patron saint of crashing is outdone by PlayStation or by F1 TV Pro. It is awful. I cannot believe they still allow that to be a thing, but hey, here we are. That's the hey, you, world we live in. You know I guess. what though? You got through it and you watched a pretty entertaining I, race. Yeah, and we were talking about that before we went live. I really, really enjoyed the first stint because it would it was just endless drama, endless stuff. By the way, you know, huge shout out uh to the Sky Sports commentators. They caught that jump start from Vettel from the get. They did. That, that he was just like, oh, Vettel jump started. And you, it was barely visible, but it was there. And he definitely did drop that clutch too early. Well, and it's one of those things you only see if somebody points it out to you. Yeah. And they saw it first. like Instantly. I didn't see it until somebody was like right there. And I'm like, oh, right. So well done to Sky Sports. Hey, I also learned that um, coming in on our ESPN2 feed on the uh, at the station, not something you guys can listen to, but just like a satellite feed I re- received from the board, uh, on Sunday nights, they – I have the raw Sky Sports audio of the F1 race. So presumably that means there are radio stations somewhere in America in the ESPN network that are airing Formula One races. And over the, yeah. bless them. Bless them. Absolutely bless them. Granted, it's on tape delay and it is the raw Sky Sports audio. So it's not like a specific radio coverage. It's just, just the two dudes talking. But uh, it's, you know what? I quite like it and I quite like this race. Let's talk. Let's do it. About the endless drama. That Suzuka provides us. We should probably start off with qualifying. We should. Let's let's start off because with qualifying. honestly, I will I will say that I was pretty pumped to see not only Seb put put it on the top step mm-hmm. and good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but also Alex Albon. Yeah, we'll get into on, Alex. on par with the on with Max Verstappen. Who I get it was whinging a bit, but whatever. Yeah. Well, let's let's we'll talk about Alex Albon. Yeah. In a bit, because I think that he is quietly having one of the best second halves of any driver right now. Hundred um, percent. And it's crazy because you don't really hear that much because everybody talks about Max Verstappen. But let's talk about Ferrari though. I mean, great job for Seb. Seb had a phenomenal weekend. He had that little lunge off the start. Right, mm-hmm. and and it was Paul DeResta who saw that first. Congrats. Sorry, sorry, guys. All props. All props to all Paul DeResta, not Paul, the, yeah. not just guy, but Paul. Well done. Anyway, but uh, he lunged a little bit off the start. But uh, let's start with the start, so to speak. Right. Um, start with lights out. Right. So, well, that didn't happen with lights out. Lights were exactly. on. Seb lunges just a little. He just lurches forward a bit, and it was to every layman, it was a false start. However, this is F1. It's never that simple. F1 uses a, a kind of a laser system where it's, you know, oh, you have this much play in it. And he didn't break the laser system. And by definition in the F1, you know, codes and rules, 
a false start is when you break and trip that system, which he didn't. He was still within the play, so he couldn't have legally have had a false start. And I would argue that no action taken for that, not only because, you know, it didn't technically break a rule, I'd also argue that no action taken for that is fine because he was ultimately punished because it weakened his start overall off of pole. He, and he did lose the race, mm-hmm. so that may have been punishment enough. That's probably more the reasoning they went with because, honestly, last year when Botas jumped the start a bit, he dropped that clutch instant, moments before the lights did go out. And, you know, Seb was just reading the riot act to the F1 uh, stewards at that point. Mm-hmm. A false start is a false start. Right. You know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. But I do think they're like, okay, he's been punished enough. This can be chalked up to you already got your penalty. You've served your penalty. Because you saw at the start, Botas took no, like no time at all to swing right around. If he was around him and a car in front before turn one. <laughs> with, with ferocious speed. Right. So, And I was thrilled to see that. And he got out past Hamilton, too. Yeah. So well done to uh, Beardy Botas. Right. So the punishment for Seb, I think, was already enough in that, yeah, you, you messed up your start. You got, you know, passed up by the guy literally lined up behind you. Yeah. So I think uh, I, I don't have a problem with the new action. No. Uh, I both in the fact that it technically didn't break a rule because he didn't meet the criteria of a false start, and he was already punished. Exactly. But the real talk about Merce- uh, about Ferrari, though, is Ooh boy, is Charles Leclerc. <laughs> and, yep, that's it. And I have a little bit. Uh, I don't want to defend Charles Leclerc, but I do have some things that I think need shedded light upon. Um, and I do have the nice Scuderia Ferrari logo for possibly our wall of shame. We'll get to that later. Yep. Uh, I also have a Wall of Fame nominee that you haven't seen yet. So. You're right, I have not. So, but uh, anyway, let's talk about Charles Leclerc. Leclerc immediately gets into it in turn two, which is ironically, weirdly part of the turn one complex. It's called first turn, and it's two turns. Love but, it. I but, don't care. That's yeah, great. I don't care. Um, <laughs> it, it did occur to me, though, that every single turn on that uh, on that track has a name. It does. Dead. Just like uh, Silverstone. Yeah, Dead. every single one has a name, yep. and I love it. Degner 1 and 2, you have the Casio Triangle, which feeds into the last turn. Even the long right-hander is 200R. So, Anyway, so Charles Leclerc gets in with Max Verstappen and puts Max out onto the gravel pits. And there's a lot of them at Suzuka. There's a lot of gravel. There's a lot of stuff. And that effectively ruined Max's race. I think I yeah. read somewhere that he had lost around 25% of his downforce until he came in and fixed that. Yeah, uh, and it was he, just over. Right, at it's that point. it's over. That incident already uh, showed me Charles Leclerc w- was there to race hard and uh, maybe a little irresponsibly. Reminds me a little of, ironically enough, Max Verstappen in, are, in years are, past. Are you saying that Max got maxed? I'm saying it's a possibility. Max, Max didn't get torpedoed. Max, Max that, got Verstappened. I think Max did ver- get Verstappened. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree with you completely. I think. That he was just aggressive, and he's never going to show Max any quarter. No. So that, you know, going forward, that's just not going to happen. And in Max's defense, he was completely entitled to where he was, and it was all on Leclerc for coming out. And Leclerc admitted so on social media afterwards. But uh, that's just where things start to get spicy, because that's a normal first, like you see first lap incidents. That's that's par for the course. What isn't par for the course is... Leclerc had damaged his front wing end plate on, I think, the left-hand side of the car, and he had also damaged his mirror, right, in this. Yeah. And he was spitting 
carbon fiber just all over the track, and he refused to come in. They said, hey, you need to come in this lap, and he asked why at the end of the first lap. And while he was asking why, he missed this pit entry. Yeah. And then he did it again. He only pitted after three laps, and by that time, he had spat all sorts of carbon fiber all over, especially the backstretch. He had hit Lewis Hamilton with a very large chunk, enough to take Lewis Hamilton's uh, uh, mirror off. And uh, I don't know if you saw the pictures, but I saw pictures that he scratched up Lewis Hamilton's car pretty fierce with his stuff. And uh, I think, one, as a aside, I made a tweet about this, um, is that no matter how stupid the Halo or Arrow screen works, that's exactly why you have to have it, right? Make no mistake, they do look stupid, but you, you have to have it because you can't have parts and bits flying around, especially as cars get more complicated and delicate. Right. And uh, so we're lucky that nothing happened to Lewis. Uh, to Lewis. Uh, stuff did hit uh, one of the McLaren cars, and we'll get into that er- later. But uh, he, Charles Leclerc staying out is the primary source of controversy here. And I just... I question not only Charles, but I question Ferrari as a whole because I think a lot of this blame, maybe more of the blame, is on Ferrari as a team than as Charles Leclerc as a driver. And I'm going to disagree with you there. Ferrari called him in, and he didn't do it. He asked why. And it's one of those box, box, box. He says, why? And he keeps going. So I'm not going to fault Ferrari as much there, as well, but I do, I do agree with you that there are two parties to blame. Charles Leclerc is one. If your team says box after you've had a first lap incident, you don't ask why. You go in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to blame the F1 stewards. They should have put out a warning flag that you need to box because bits are flying off the car. That bit that flew and knocked off Lewis's mirror was just shades of 2009 with Felipe Massa mm-hmm. in Hungary. And it was like it could have really, really hurt him. IndyCar equivalent to me was uh, seeing uh, Justin Wilson with, yeah. with a tire, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. And it's like, you know, there are unsafe bits. They should have flagged him. Right. Um, so to me, that's who is mostly at fault is the F1 stewards for not intervening right. and being like, well, Ferrari can figure it out. I, I mean, they tried, but their driver's hot-headed. I will say this about, about Charles Leclerc is you and I have never been in an F1 car, but everybody who has tells you you can't see anything, right? Yeah. You can't see your front wing. He did. I, I think he thought, hey, you know, we have a bit of damage on our front wing. And the, the feeling I got was, yeah, we're missing maybe 10% of downforce. But in reality, if it's, you know, if it's just gone, then let's just keep going and, and see if we can't build up a lead. I don't think he. I don't think he realized how bad it was, and that it was shearing parts off. And this is why I'm. I'm a little into Ferrari. When your team goes box, 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 and he goes, "Why?" I don't think I ever heard Ferrari say you're spitting parts all over the track, because if they did, he probably would have been in on the second lap, but he wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, maybe, but again, they they said box, box, box. Charles, you need to box, mm-hmm. and he and he even said in the radio. Um, I may I know this it may look bad but it actually the car feels fine. It may look bad but it feels fine. I don't think he meant uh, that as like like I know how bad it looks. I just think he's No, like, he's maybe. like the car may look bad. Right. So he's like the car may look bad but it actually feels fine. No. You need to get in, boy. Like yeah. that's that's to me that's pretty bad. So, you know, I think I I fault both Charles for questioning and I fault the F1 stewards for not throwing a flag. Let me let me make another statement yeah. on 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 Ferrari is I think they also came across as a bit of pushovers. Uh they 
we've said this in previous episodes where Charles Leclerc is, you know, plopping them right on the table and saying, you know, hey, you need me more than I need you. And this is yet another in a long line of incidents where I think Charles is just asserting that he is number one and everybody else be darned. Exactly. And I think that that smacks. I think you're absolutely right that he questioned them because he doesn't respect them enough. And he's trying to assert his dominance when mm-hmm. he should be listening and being like, oh, wait, I'm risking someone else's life. So, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure he realized he was re- risking someone's life. But you're right, though. At the end of the day, when you say, hey, box, 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 you need to box, box, box. Um, it, while this is happening, race control radios uh, or tells Red Bull, who radios to Verstappen, that the lap one incident between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen will not be investigated. <laughs> and Max is pissed. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a happy camper. No, it, I think rightfully so, because he did everything by the books. As as weird as that is, Max Verstappen is involved in an incident, and he's the one who did everything exactly right, exactly safely, and made no what qualms about it, right? What a world. This is why I love F1, is because <laughs> storylines can just get flipped on their head every single week. Drive to Survive is going to be Dope for season two. Oh, it's so it so is. The drama here is unreal. They're going to have to cut out big things just for time. Yep. But uh, anyway, so uh, Max Verstappen uh, is, is livid. And then a few laps later, race control says, oh, we're going to investigate it anyway, but we're going to do it post-race, which... So stupid. I, I understand. Do it. Right. I understand the need for post-race investigations on occasion, but like, if it's a lap one incident, I don't want to hear... You know how two front runners finished three hours after the race. I hope to God when I go to Austria next year, it's not another case of 2019 Austria where I'm probably you know over in Graz or something three hours later, being like, "Oh, oh, so, so he that, won. So, so that's, that's what the happened. winner, yeah. right? That that's who won." It's like going to the World Series and being like, "I don't know who won. Guess we'll find out later." Yeah, <laughs> so silly. Um, so like I. I just don't like that. I think F1 stewards are the real losers here this week. Uh, yeah, they are going to be my Wreck of the Week nominees. They're your Wreck of the Week? Yep. I, I have sev- we have several Wreck of the Week nominees. <laughs> that was the one I was going to throw this in there a in very, case we had. Yeah, that was a very uh, strong one. Oh, it was a good week for them. So uh, let's talk about Vettel. Vettel obviously had the terrible start, but uh, he reined it in. He still finished, pulled home second, and he fought off Lewis Hamilton, who was just charging at the end. Uh, he, I think... I think, and I might be too soon in saying this, but I think we've seen three solid drives from what I would consider just kind of a classic, more classic Vettel drive. It is he back? Let's not say that yet, but this is good. Right. I think the one yip of the weekend, if we're we're still calling it that, was dropping the clutch too early, and you know, kind of he was still within his box. So I guess that's why maybe also why they say, oh, we have a later system too, guys. Guess yeah. what? I'm sure you do. Um, but other than that, he put, he pieced together some masterful laps, not only to bang in the pole lap with qualifying, which he was elated to have, but then when he got out of the car, he was more subdued because he's like, okay, I'm only halfway done. Um, and then after, you know, during the race, he put in some amazing laps to keep Lewis Hamilton at bay, mm-hmm. who I think we're seeing a more, not to completely shift gears to go over to Mercedes. Oh, we can though. But I think... We, you know, and you do have here, he did put on a more spirited attack uh, on Seb near the end. But I think we're seeing a more conservative Lewis. That's an interesting thought, he's, isn't it? He's As he's getting older, he's realizing, oh, wait, I've got the most dominant car in F1 history. I don't have to do all these things. I can just kind of sit back here and I'm still going to win. 
Right. So, e- even if I finish third today, I'm going to win. Yeah, right, and like, my, my team wins the constructors. I'm going to wrap it up probably next time in Mexico, which I know you know you and I hate the track, but it's cool that it goes through a baseball stadium. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I hate what the track has become. It was, it was beautiful. But. Yeah, but um, it's, it's one of those where I think we're seeing a more subdued Lewis, a more determined Botas, so that's why you saw the order you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I was... I, it was a, as always, perfectly measured, perfectly executed uh, weekend by Mercedes. Let's let's shift gears yep. to Mercedes because they won their sixth consecutive constructors championship, right? And never before in F one yeah. history. That is an insane run, and and it's otherworldly. Not only that, but the the one that's kind of overshadowed is they will win uh, another another drivers championship. Probably Lewis, uh, because everybody else that's not Mercedes is eliminated now. <laughs> yep, and it's it's going to be Lewis. Yeah, it'll be, be Lewis. Valtteri, he he's, doesn't get paid to win right. the he, championship. He's too far behind anyway. Yeah, it's um, like 104 points. Yeah, so I think I think I want to park it right here and just ask what is so special about Mercedes, and I think I have my answer. But you go for go? it. I think I think what's special about Mercedes is especially if you read about the F1 of old. It's very personality and emotion driven and I think that's that's what you see a lot in Ferrari is they get very fiery about this and that and I think what's special about Mercedes is not just the level of domination but they've increased the sport like they've changed the game in that you can't just make a decision anymore we're going to out like tech we're going to out tech you we're going to out measure you we're going to Every single word we speak has like 18 processes to figure out what the word is. They they have changed the sport from something emotional to something very, very scientific about it. Not that the, the cars weren't already scientific, but everything about them is so incredibly precise that honestly, this is what the standard for winning is now. And other teams are going to need to figure out how to do it. It's like the sabermetric revolution in baseball. I I would completely agree. I think the thing that is different about Mercedes is that they have a relentless round the clock commitment mm. to developing the car, doing better. It's not just the passion, it's that relentless pursuit of scientific perfection. Now, you're right. They they inject uh a level of science and a level of ingenuity that is uncommon in, in a sport where that is common um so i just i you know it's it's nothing but development at all times they are relentless in their pursuit uh of perfection um of automotive perfection they have a budget uh the, to to suit that um they have a commitment from their parent company of mercedes um they have uh, a structure in a management team that was built initially by ross braun and uh, nikki lauda to um, to be just a, to to be the evergreen team that's always going to win. Um, so I think it's a culmination of a lot of things, but their relentless commitment. They and they while they do have passion, they take some of that out of it to replace it with um just commitment. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it is absolute perfection. I don't think a team has ever been built that well. Mm-hmm. Um and we probably never will be again once we see cost caps because they spend a Unreal. holy God amount of money. But I think their processes that they've implemented 
is what is really going to go down because you're going to figure out how to you're going to figure out how to run a cheaper Mercedes. You're not just going to run every team's not going to become Haas with this budget, right? They're going to figure out a way to become a cheaper, more efficient, more efficient Mercedes. Yep. Uh, they're not just going to go and become Ferrari. Uh, I want to park it on that. Uh, roll it back actually to the uh, that little saber metric uh, yeah. thing I, I said earlier. Want to explain that for the European fans? Uh, so in in baseball, um, in previous years up until about 2010, 2009, eight somewhere in there, um, baseball was governed by the manager. Basically, started who he felt. Um, and in like a situation where you need a specific man to come on as a substitution uh, or a pinch hitter in this case, yeah. uh, it would basically be whoever the manager felt like. And around 20, 2008, 9, 10, funny enough, that's about when Mercedes started, you know, building this institution. Um, they figured out a way to quantify how many wins a man is worth in baseball. Um, so like if I start X, Y, Z in the outfield, he is going to get me 6.7 more wins per season. And, like, this is actual, like, verifiable math. It's measured. Um, I'll get 6.7 more wins over, you know, this other guy. And everything from there took any emotion out of the decision and is now eight layers deep of science and math and stats. So, like, the nerds run baseball, and the Mercedes has now let the nerds run F1. And the nerds will inherit the earth. They will. Like, like this is not a knock on the nerds. They're very good at winning, and as, this is exactly what's going on. As two members of that particular clan, we appreciate this. Very much. You're talking to a former physics major and a comic book like ex- geek extraordinaire. That's right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I am that. I will gladly take that title. So, um, but, no, I think Mercedes has uh, all that uh, you know, commitment to... Perfection and engineering, engine, engineering. Wow, engineering insanity. Yeah, engineering. Good lord. Good man. What a day. All right, so let's move on to Red Bull. They hope for the Red Suzuka Bull. special, nope. and it imploded in the first corner. It sure did. Yep, um, that's over. Ah, but they had a mixed bag. It was still they, a mixed bag. It was it was a mixed bag because Max was having he was complaining about power issues. Something about the power unit wasn't translating as he was going down the straight. Mm-hmm. Not that there are a whole lot of straights in Suzuka, um, but... There's not a lot of straights, but there's a lot of heavy power sections. There are a lot of heavy power sections. Uh, but Alex Albon, I th- how close was he in the qualifying? It was close. It was very close. I don't have it right in front of me, but, but it was very close. He didn't whine about anything. He just went in. There was one move I will take exception to uh, that I can't remember. It was later in the race, um, maybe in the late 30s in terms of lap number, Mm -hmm. but he put a move on Lando Norris that I thought was... I saw that, yes. um, That I thought was actually... Gutsy. Gutsy. Reckless. Maybe a little reckless. Yeah, if Lando hadn't been really sticking to his line, um, then he probably would have wrecked him because he just dove into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like Red Bull comes over and says, great, good job, but it's like, ugh. That, but, yikes! But I will say, for Red Bull, though, after Verstappen uh, retired after lap four, uh, 14, his quote was, uh, this wasn't hard racing, it was irresponsible driving in turn two. Uh, again, he's right. Yeah, he's right, but again, from Max Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? But It's like Maldonado saying, oh, those guys, those guys crash a lot. What? <laughs> but Alex Albon, back on him, had 
proved himself to me again. He's already done this, and he's proven it again, that this is the man who should have had Pierre Gasly's seat in the first place. Alex Albon looks more and more like a long-term solution that's going to create driver stability for Red Bull. And, hey, Pierre Gasly actually had a pretty good weekend. Yeah. He, he didn't ha- P- P7, I believe? I think so, yeah. No, P8. P8. Uh, let me let me um, flip to the page here. But, uh, anyway, Alex Albon raced himself into P4, though. I mean, yeah. how, how incredible is that? P8, yep. Yep. Uh, one lap down, but it was still P8, which I think was his average uh, finish place in the Red Bull, too. So, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, no, Alex, I agree with you completely. He That is the answer to what Red Bull was looking for. They needed a compliment that can do his job. Um, he's someone that, you know, in their social media stuff looks pretty good. Um, doesn't give the most awesome, you know, Red Bull-esque, you know, interviews, but I don't really care about that. You got Max Verstappen for that. Exactly. Exactly. And you, but you did, the man went out and did his job. Right. And a man, a a guy at that age, uh, take him, sign him up, 100%, pay him whatever you need. Is he, I'm going to float this one at you. Is he headed for an A plus at our end of season report card? Yes. Yes, he is. I, I would. I would say. I'd so. say he's having the best. Given given what we know about the pressure cooker mm-hmm. of Red Bull, uh, I think he'll. He's having one of the most impressive second halves we've seen in a long time. So let's talk about uh, McLaren. McLaren actually had a pretty darn strong week uh, with a fifth place for Carlos Sainz. They looked strong. They looked fast. Unfortunately, Lando Norris just had a bit of bad luck. You remember we talked about Charles Leclerc spitting debris all over the place. Well, some of that hit Lando Norris, and he uh, – first off, that first incident, Lando Norris made a jump off the line. He had a great run, but that first incident in turn two between Charles Leclerc and uh, Max Verstappen forced him to lay back and lay off and lose all of his momentum. And then he got you know debris spat into him by Charles Leclerc. He had to go make a pit stop, and ultimately he just couldn't recover. Uh, stick a fork in him, he finished in 13th. Yeah. But – I think if you're McLaren, that's entirely out of your control. That's not just like a part went kaboom. That's somebody else went kaboom and just happened to shoot stuff at us, right? Yeah. Like, they had a fast car. They had a very fast car. And, you know, if if you're Zach Brown, you're sitting back and being like, you know what? That's unfortunate. That's racing. But our car looks awesome. Our drivers look awesome. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves our stuff. Our brand is on the up and up. And we have Mercedes coming. I don't care. Like, you know. Rough weekend, but we can survive. We can survive, right. Like We will survive! And not only will you survive, but it's not like you missed out on the points. Right. right. Like, like yeah. fifth place is a darn strong finish. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. right, you're right behind Red Bull. Perfect. Yeah. It, and you're you're beating Renault. You're beating Force India. You're beat or sorry, <laughs> Racing Point. Racing Force. Oh, whatever. In, India <laughs> Point. Team Stroll. India Point. <laughs> oh, God. Bring back Force India. So let's, Bring back VJ Melia. So let's let's talk about Renault because you mentioned Renault here. Uh, solid double points weekend with a ginormous asterisk. Go for it. All right. So uh, surprisingly quiet weekend from the team actually in terms of the fact that they finished without incident in sixth and tenth. Um, you didn't hear much from them during the race, I don't think. Nope. But uh, there was a bit where uh, Hulkenberg let uh, Ricardo by. Yeah. And Ricardo went and hunted down both forced uh, racing points. God, I'm just going to keep messing that up. It's okay. I literally, when I was typing this up, I was looking for uh, Racing Point News, and I typed in Force India, and it took me to the Wikipedia page, and I was like— You and I both both miss (laughs) VJ Malia, something fierce. But um, 
But yeah, they let him by and he hunted him down as he's paid to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is a bit of a controversy. There is, and this is where it gets interesting. The only intrigue from Renault this weekend comes from the fact that Racing Point raised a protest against Renault over, and I'm quoting this, uh, I know what all of these words mean. I, I don't know, like, I, what, I, I, I have to I don't know use, what they're on about, right, but I'm intr- interested to see what comes of it. Right. Because Renault... Historically, has been steeped in some controversy. So um, let's uh, let's read this preset lap distance dependent brake bias adjustment system. I know what all those words mean together, and I know what might like ninety percent of them mean together. But uh, when you factor in the preset lap distance dependent, I I I, I, I re- know the brake bias adjustment. I really want to know what that means. Like what what system are they alleging? I haven't seen much about this system that Renault is using. Mm-hmm. Have you? No. So I want to know exactly what their point is. In fact, in a, in the break, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. So so we'll look it up in the break. We'll come back during the news with that. But uh, Renault, um, so Renault uh, or the FIA said, hey, that's a legal protest. There's, there's, I don't know if that means that there's juice there that they're squeezing. I think there is. But they're saying, hey – this is legal enough that we're going to, you know, squeeze the orange and figure out if there's some juice there. And uh, Renault are currently under investigation, and Renault have uh, their ECU and steering wheels impounded right now. It's just, that's just really interesting. It, it it is, and I think it's a power. It's a bit of an interesting play by Racing Point. You know what happens if uh, Renault is disqualified? Racing Point has a double points weekend. <laughs> Which you know we saw this last year when. Uh, Haas lodged a complaint against Renault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's and they won. It's, I mean, it is nitpicking, but you're you do stand to make to take an advantage, so well, and, you have to do it. And if you don't nitpick your rivals, they're just going to continue putting more over on you. Exactly, and, and you're going to have to be forced to cheat, uh, as it were, to catch up. And now all of a sudden, everybody's cheating, and why have? rules right so it's a system that relies on this kind of thing but uh other than the double points weekend i don't think it was so much a targeted attack at renault by racing point i just think it's a hey they're doing this right it's not a it's not a personal issue you know like if uh renault did it to mclaren yeah deal um so let's see what else we have uh williams had mm, a mixed bag of a weekend uh hey you know what uh george russell had had an all right race um, I will say that Williams, however, had a pretty terrible weekend. Now, here's where it's interesting. We know Robert Kubica is gone for the upcoming season. That's nothing new. But Kubica crashed going into the uh, in during the Super Sunday qualifying section session, right? Yep. Uh, final corner forced his team to rebuild his chassis. And remember, this is a Super Sunday. There was like two hours in between qualifying and the race. Which I think we got to give that to the Williams engineers. Well done. Well done, mechanics. That was awesome. But His garage was just on it. Yeah. That, like, that's no easy. Like, people struggled to do that overnight. And they did it in two hours. Uh, here's the interesting part for Kabitza to me is he didn't – he went there and he didn't get those – highly coveted new testing parts from Williams for qualification in the race. Mm -hmm. He was very angry about it, but they said we're short on parts and we don't want to ruin them, which is a huge insult to him. Perhaps, perhaps, you know, perhaps well-made, you know, it's a point well-made because he actually did crash the car 
that would have had them on it, right? Yeah, so exactly. Like, um, but, man, if Willi- Williams is that short on budget and they're preventing – they're so short that they're like, we're not going to give you the upgrade because we can't afford it. It goes, it goes back to where'd the money go? Where'd the, where is where is your money, Williams? So We know you're getting some. Yeah, so uh, – Russell finished well ahead of Kibitza in the race. Kibitza was just they they both finished you know in eighteen nineteen, but Russell was miles ahead of Kibitza, probably literally. Yeah. Um. So and that's that's been the case. That's why he's not coming back next year, right? Yeah. Well, that and the fact that they don't have enough confidence in him to give him upgraded parts. Yeah, I don't know if it's as much that, or as... did they even have the parts made exactly? If they had them, like if they had them there and they were just waiting for, no, this all goes on Russell's car, you're probably opening yourself up to a lawsuit at that point Um, because the sponsors are going to be like, you know, we're giving you money. Why aren't you giving our guy the parts? Which, which, by the way, they're already in trouble with their sponsors from Sochi. Exactly. So I doubt that they would do that. I think they just didn't have the parts because they couldn't afford to make them. Yeah, and, and and it was too big of a risk to financially invest in those parts. Yeah. Like, you know, you those that money could have gone elsewhere and probably did go elsewhere. Uh, Alpha had a, a final team we want to talk about here. Alpha yep. had a, just an abysmal weekend. They're lacking in pace. They Rough. lacked in execution. Uh, 14th and 16th. Kimmy rode his ride uh, into 14th. Giovinazzi in 16th. Let's start with Giovinazzi. Uh, failed to impress again. He's he's not coming back next mm, year. No, I, I can't over. see why. Um, it, he's just He's just been the epitome of he's also there. Right. Yep. It's like I'm going to see F1. Right. I'm going to see an F1 race, man. There's going to be Max Verstappen. There's going to be Lewis Hamilton, man. There's going to be freaking Charles Leclerc, Jimmy Raikkonen, and Tony Giovinazzi is going to be there too. But then there's going to be you know Sebastian Vettel yeah. and Antonio Giovinazzi. Right. He, like, no, he's definitely out of that seat. The what? that Mick Schumacher has his name on that seat. Oh, for dude. sure. It's it's probably already stitched into the seat. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> this it's is there. Nick Schumacher. Yeah, his towel's already hanging on it. So literally. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, Kimmy didn't have a great weekend either. No. I put this on here. I did. I, I saw that. And I think I think I want to park it here. Kimmy's had a really rough season. I think I've seen more negatives about him in in, in terms of how just alpha is as a whole, then I have positives. I've seen more Raikkonen just a disappointing drive or disappointing weekend for the Kimi Raikkonen and his car and his crew. Is it time to maybe hone in on the fact that maybe Kimi is um, not the Iceman we expect at this point? No. No. And here's why. It's been the last, like, three or four races that things haven't gone their way. There's probably a more reasonable answer in the fact that alpha is on a set budget and they want to focus on the 2020 car so they have focused their finances toward that and kimmy is helping them develop and helping them design that car Mm -hmm. um he had some amazing races to start the year i think everything you want about kimmy is right there it's just you know it's a more a a result of they're not updating anything right now because they're just going to kind of coast through these last four races and that's going to be it and I, I would I would agree. I wanted to put this on here just to yeah. open up this conversation because I think, you know, it, it very well could be a question next year. Who knows, right? It could. But yeah. if, I mean, you and I were talking about it at the beginning of this year, the guy is insane. Mm-hmm. He is still, he was still banging in top tens, like right. in a, in a, a clearly inferior car. And that's, that's what I wanted to, wanted to make a point too, was it, it you know, it, there's certain cars on the grid that, you know, it, 
Mike, uh, Michael Schumacher wouldn't be able to take into you know a top spot, right? No. He couldn't take the freaking Mercedes into a top spot when he came back, right? It, I just I don't think it's so much the Iceman, although you know he he'll fall off of he'll, he'll yeah he's thirty eight yeah he'll taper eventually, but I think it's just it's a fact of the matter is is that the the car isn't there. We're used to seeing him in the mix in a Ferrari. Right. We're not. This is the first year we've seen him in a subpar car when they stopped developing it. You know, and they're mm-hmm. focusing on next year. And he's doing what he should do. He's doing his job, which is exactly what Alpha brought him back to do and why Team Ferrari wants him there. Mm-hmm. So it's like expecting, uh, you know, Danny Ricardo Red Bull results from Danny Ricardo Renault. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. All right. So we're going to kick it into the news coming up next. You're listening to the Formation Lap with 101 ESPN. The Formation Lap with Luke and Tim. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the news. The news. News. Tim is currently forming the old man rant in I his am, mind right I now. Am, I am working on it. But, I am working on it. But we're going to have some we're going to have some news first. So f- these are Actually, three really big pieces of news, I think, um, really big events in motorsports as a whole. Um, two of them are huge. Ross Braun's one in the middle is okay uh, in terms of gravitas, right? Mm. So the big one is F1 teams are set to vote in Paris tomorrow for a litany of things, among them uh, qualifying races starting next year. The deadline for a majority decision uh, passed on April 30th, but uh, it will require a unanimous decision now, which probably won't happen. Nope. But there are a lot of other things going into this Paris voting. Um, Mercedes is currently op- uh, opposed and heads up uh, probably the biggest opposition. And it's interesting, Gunter Steiner says he thinks he can flip, the, like opinions can flip um, pretty easily. And if if Mercedes flips, all their following teams flips and then flip, and then I wonder how, who else is opposed. And that's what I was going to bring up is that now that Mercedes supplies McLaren, um, so you have Mercedes, McLaren, for, uh, Racing Point, and Williams. So you have four teams yeah. that are going to go with whatever Mercedes wants. Right. So you know that is your biggest. Obstacle. If they don't but like it, the none of the other teams. All go you got to flip is Mercedes because the other three will go exactly where they where Mercedes does. Exactly. Um, and you know, Gunter Steiner says he thinks it, it's possible that he flips. I'm saying it's not going to happen. I, I, but if Gunter says it's possible, I, I think perhaps they're not as closed off. Anything at, is possible, at, Gunter. I mean, you could all of a sudden have a fast Roman Grosjean. Who knows? <laughs> He thinks it's he thinks it's possible. So I'm like, hey, maybe not next year, but I wouldn't be surprised in the future. Although my problem is, and this is Gunter's point as well, is next year's the perfect time to do it. The yeah. perfect time. It is the perfect time. But you know what? I'm Team Gunter. I like Gunter Steiner a lot. My respect for him is boundless, especially because he drops as many f bombs as I do. <laughs> so it's great. Uh, Gunter Steiner quote: "I am not opposed to it. If the majority wants it, I'm okay with it. Because sometimes you have to try things differently. If it doesn't work, we should say, hey, it didn't work. Let's just go back to what we had before. Uh, I am happy to try that out and see how it actually works, what impact it has got. What are the costs? And also, do we attract more spectators? Again, my biggest thing is do we actually make the show better? If you don't make it better... If it's just for us to please ourselves, there's no point to do it because it's all more work. So he's basically saying, hey, let's try it out. If it makes the show better, it makes the show better. And if it doesn't, 
Well, congratulations. This was a transition year. Next year's the real day or real year where things are really going to change. I mean, we crossed one thing off the list. Yeah. And I I, I think that and actually personally I, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to a sprint race. I wouldn't either and you know how whatever machinations they want to put in um go for it. You yeah. know what? The qualifying has been some of the best racing we've seen this year just like car on car. Right. But if you want to switch it up and you know in the pursuit of making the the Grand Prix itself better, cool because the I mean it's only 45 minutes with the qualifying right now, and it's right. kind of like, okay. I mean, and, and how often do we say qualifying is the most entertaining piece of television that's on all weekend? All the time. All the time. We say, yeah, we say it a lot. So I'm saying if we have to sacrifice the 45 minutes for the two hours, right? okay, yeah. let's mess with it. Yeah, let's mess with it. And, and I think he hit the nail on the head, too, is does it make a better show? And that's all we need to worry about uh, is does it make a better show? I think it would. Uh, I'm planning a F1 trip to Austria, right? And I'm... You are so excited. I'm you contem- cannot com- contain yourself. Right. I, I, I'm contemplating missing out on the fr- Friday free practices in order to, to go elsewhere, just see uh, another city, Vienna specifically. Um, however, if, if I had an incentive of like a sprint race instead of just a normal, you know, a normal free practice, you bet your butt I'd be there on Friday. You know, yeah. and and the other thing is, is I was buying tickets. I don't think it's possible to just get a Saturday ticket. You have to buy either a three day or or a, a Sunday pass, mm-hmm. a Friday three day or Sunday pass. And I think um, that that's another thing is you can buy just Saturday passes, or you can buy just Sunday passes, or you can buy three day passes. And I think that the option of just paying a, a, a smaller fee to go to just the sprint race on Saturday. That 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 might be a cheaper option for some of the locals who otherwise can't afford, you know, the hundred euro tickets that are everywhere, right? And, and your whole goal should be to fill the stands. I mean, the one of the greatest things about Suzuka for me this weekend was seeing the crowd shots, seeing oh, yeah. just that, just the passion for F one that exists. It doesn't feel like a race; it feels like an event. Exactly. It's it is a it is a bit on the calendar. It is a it is a point of pride to all localities that have this race come through that they show up and that they enjoy it and they see something that's otherworldly in the competition and then the engineering mm-hmm. and thing all everything that goes along with it and you know i that it's that should be the main driving factor is to drive people into the stands put eyes on the tv everything so with that do you think a change to the qualifying format would improve the product i'm game i don't i don't know but I'm game to try. Right. I, Whatever works. I think that's the key is is we don't know, but I'm okay with trying it. Me too. I'm totally okay with trying it because you can always revert to what we had already. And what we have already is pretty good. Exactly. So, so I let's do it. Let's yeah. let's jump in. Let's play with it, right? This is this is a flux year. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh next up a uh, Ross Braun, speaking of changes, says that any qualifying changes will not include Sunday qualifications. Quote, it's true that a day like Sunday in Suzuka offers a great show in just a few hours, but it would confine the feeder series races to the previous days. After careful analysis, we have concluded that the best solution is to keep the event over three days, revising the Friday format, but leaving the rest untouched with qualifying on Saturday and the race on Sunday. This isn't entirely a surprise. Um, Two-day viewership, two-day people at the track. uh, Or three days of people at the track even then, right? It is much, much... Uh, more valuable than having people at the track for, what, five hours? Yeah. You can have people at the track for, like, 72 hours. 
Exactly. And, and every and every moment you're at the track is a moment where you could be purchasing a hot dog, purchasing a souvenir, paying money to camp on the grounds. Can't and which I would do in a heartbeat. Right. I would I would love to do the um, spa Le Mans double. Yeah. And you know, hopefully, hopefully, someday in the calendar it gets close again, mm-hmm. and I'll just go, and it's like one weekend to another, and I can just camp, and you know, kind of just take it all in. Oh, you come out of that so grungy though. <laughs> you get, yeah, you'd have like a half beard, like I do. Worth it. Uh, yeah, it's the pilgrimage. Right. Worth it. It's a it. pilgrimage. Yeah, but uh, I don't. I think uh, this is the right move. I think as cool as Super Sundays are. Um, they're special because they're a rarity, and what we have week in, week out is already is already good. That's one of the things cool things about IndyCar, too, is it's a two-day event, right? It's Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and I, I agree. I don't um, I don't need a Super Sunday. I would rather have it be Saturday, Sunday, because then then you and I can enjoy speculating, you know, from one day to the, to the other. Oh, wow, Seb put it on pull. You think he can actually convert? Eh, maybe, but the straight line speed, you can actually look at the data— and formulate an educated opinion and have an educated conversation it's, before the next day. It's part of the reason this podcast comes out on a Tuesday is because we want time to absorb. Obviously, we can't, we don't usually watch it live unless it's like a midnight race or it's the season opener. We'll watch that live. Or if it's in America and it's at a reasonable time for right, us. Right. Um, but you have to have that time to absorb after you've watched it. Um, it's like listening to a great album, right? You can't listen to an album once through and two minutes later have an opinion. You should. You need time to think about it. Let it sit. Right. Yeah. And and I think You're that You're not going to listen to the new Tool album once and be like, that's garbage or, oh, God, it's artwork. You want to listen to it a few mm-hmm. dozen times. I think I think it was 50 Cent who actually said that, like, <laughs> nationally was like— It was 50 Cent or JZ who's criticized music critics for being like, you can't just listen to an album and be the first one to have an opinion three, you know, three, 43 minutes after it drops on a 40-minute album. You can't do that. Exactly. That, that's not giving anybody a fair shake. No, and it's art. Right. You can't you need to appreciate it but, and give it time. Right. But so. back to the point though is that's what makes qualifying and then a 24-hour period to the race even better it is you, you have time to digest it and, and speculate. And speculating is half the fun of racing sometimes. For us, yeah. yeah. For the fans, it is absolutely what is, you know, It's what so keeps great. us intrigued in baseball is, ooh, is he going to throw a curveball here? Is he going low and outside or high and in? What, how's he going to act against a starter tomorrow? Right. Is it, you know, what, what kind of shift are we going to put on here? Exactly. It's the fun of being a sport fan is to be able to process and think your own things and then see how it plays out in real time. And I think that a Super Sunday, while it's spectacular when it happens rarely, I think you'd lose the magic very quickly if it was a regular fixture. Yep. Uh, finally, this is a big one. The Ford GTs and the front-engine Corvettes took their bows at the Matul Petit Le Mans at the Road Atlanta on Sunday. Uh, this is the end of the factory Ford GT program as we know it. Their beloved GTs finished P2 on the lead lap and P8 in the GT Le Mans category. And the it's the end of a beautiful era. We're going to miss them. Yeah, they're... Full confession, I am not a Ford guy, all right? I've driven Toyotas most of my life, and I really have no dog in the Ford-Chevy fight because I'm a Toyota guy. The the Ford GTs are some of the most spectacular race cars of uh, of any generation. You can't tell the story of sports car racing without telling the story of, like, how the Ford GT originally came and how it, you know, came back. And, yeah, it's an icon. You know, those are two... And the Corvette, you can't talk about American auto anything without the Corvette. Right. 
You know, it's inextricably linked to the space program. It's the Corvette is almost a part of our DNA at this point as Americans. Yeah. So I would say, you know, the, those are two iconic pieces of uh, the not only the overall automotive world, but specifically the American automotive world. And, uh, you know, it'll be it's a shame to see him go. I'm excited to see the next chapter for the Corvette. I was going to say, the Corvette is just moving to a mid-engine. Exactly. Um, it's moving to a mid-engine uh, format, which I'm excited to see how how on earth Chevy somehow made a mid, mid-engine, essentially a supercar, for 50 grand? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> well, and, and there's certain dimensions that the Corvette always feel, uh, like always has. There's certain traits, and one of those traits is that very long and pronounced front, front, end. front end. Yep. Well, when you don't have an engine in there. What's that going to look like? Are you going to lose the look of the Corvette? Probably not. I I, I would it's think the designers keep... know exactly what a Corvette is, and they can look and say that's not a Corvette. But if we do this, that is a Corvette. And it, you know, the Corvette, the iconic pieces are the front end, the back end mm-hmm. with the taillights, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the way the exhausts are set up. But the thing is, is that it looks the Corvette over time has kept some of the iconic pieces, but it's just evolved. Right. It's gone from the 1960s Stingray to you know the the uh, day glow uh, yellow Corvette that we've seen in for the last ten years in the in the Le Mans races to the current Corvettes, which are yep. which look like stealth bombers. They're they they're do. awesome. They do. They look really cool. But I think that the next iteration is going to look just as cool. Right. It's going to have a shorter front end There's, for sure. There haven't been a lot of ugly Corvettes. Even the no. most ugly Corvettes are still like pretty Oof. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and I personally don't like the ZR ones, but they're still pretty nice. I like them. They, but, they they have some tinsel, but that's fine. But you know um, what I'm saying, though? It's like the yeah. worst Corvette is better than 90% of cars in 100%. terms of looks and status. So but I the, don't I think, think they can, they're going to mess it up. No, they're not. And I think the biggest iconic thing for me that's always been in a Corvette is that big thumping V8. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be no matter what in that <laughs> car. And it's a it's a, it's a a piece of art, yeah. really, that, that engine. Um, engineering art. So uh, I'm excited to see what that comes back. It's going to be a bummer to see uh, the GTs go. They will still be racing, but just not the— For privateer teams. Exactly. It won't be um, like the company-backed teams anymore. Yeah, Um, which is a real shame because that also casts doubts on the fact that will we have another Ford GT at any point? Who Maybe not. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, Yeah, the the— the amount of money Ford put into recreating the GT was staggering. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there were some corporate abuses along the way. The, those individuals are no longer with the company. But, um, you know, so it's a little bit mired, and I'm sure Ford has a bit of a bad taste in their mouths. But the the end product was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it wasn't refined in any way. You know, you had to – if there's Velcro in your $400,000 car – you know, whatever that thing was where you slid it and then Jeremy Clarkson, like, slid the whole thing forward and you're like, <laughs> you, oh. You, you know, that's kind of the beauty of the— or no, uh, uh, the, it was the steering wheel, sorry, not, yeah. not the seat. It, that's kind of the beauty of the, Ford, of the Ford GT, and it always has been, is it's just how can we make this thing bloody fast and look bloody cool— and that's Every, it. Everything else be darned. Does it go fast? Does it look cool? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it, it also was— uh, hilariously expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they sunk just a boatload of money into mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I, they pro- a corporation's not going to want to do that again. Nope. <clears throat> but um, I'm glad they did it once. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, for Ford, uh, good for them. 
Yep. So I have a question. Would you like to put the Ford GT on the Wall of Fame? Yes, I would. Oh, I got to turn uh, it over. Yeah. It's upside down. <laughs> the, the, the Ford GT does deserve to be on the Wall of Fame. All right, give me some play-by-play. Luke is approaching the hallowed ground of the Wall of Fame, reverently taking a pin and placing the Ford GT at its rightful place on the Wall of Greatness that is the Wall of Fame. That will be something about a hushed whisper. Imagine that this this sounded a whole lot more eloquent and rehearsed than it actually did. I thought it sounded fine. Thank I gotta, you. <laughs> I got I got to cut out like it's it. I you know I print these things out and I cut them out scissors, mm. and uh, I did a terrible job cutting this out. So I'm gonna have to go and take the scissors back to it and actually get it a little straight. You can see it kind of wings up on the left side and it wings down on the right hand side. So I was just assuming that you were drinking while you were doing that. No, I don't drink in the radio station. <laughs> That's um, not to say there's not alcohol in the radio station. I, I haven't seen any. You know, one of the best things is you get sponsored by by certain people, and they they provide you with things, right? Oh, we you you can't mention them. That that would be Plagola, uh, which is illegal. But uh, every once in a while, you know, you'll do a do a a spot at some brewery. And people will come back. They'll be like, hey, they gave us all free beer. You want some beer? I don't even drink, but I'm like, yeah, sure. Here's a four-pack of whatever hmm. local brew. Which, by the way, this is St. Louis. We we have some darn good beers here. Yeah, we so, have some awesome microbreweries. Yeah, so I've come home with beer like several times just because they're like, hey, we did a live remote at uh, this place or this this brewery. And do you want some? Yep. And those folks are super awesome yep. all the time. Yep, we can't. We can't. We, we should. Next time you hit up Bourbon Chestnut, let me know. Yeah, no, I can't mention who does that to us, uh, but because that would be illegal. But you know, it there's a lot of breweries here, yep. and they're and they're all high quality. Uh, so, would you like to move on to the awards? First off, let's start with since we've already looked at the wall. We have looked at the wall. Would you like to make an additional addition to the wall? <laughs> I am holding a <clears throat> Scuderia Ferrari logo. You are, and this is a provisional Wall of Shame nominee because this is this is tricky for me because they have every time they succeed they fail, right? Like think of think of an unabashedly positive story that positive weekend that Ferraris had in which they have not had an asterisk by it by saying okay, but this was also a disaster. Um, and that is why I want to put it up there until possibly they have two. Asterisk free good weekends. Because I think the wall of shame is in that they shoot themselves in the foot every time. This is just a hypothetical. Like, I'm leaving it up to you. And, ladies and gentlemen, I am agonizing over this because I love the fact that they have come such a long way from where they were. They're finally competing against Mercedes. They're putting Mercedes on the back foot. They're doing front front row lockouts. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and the team, they, you know, it, the, I don't, I still don't fault the team for what Charles did. But this is, this is the, the entity as a whole. Exactly. So, yeah, go ahead. Two asterisk free weekends. I agree. You're right. Cause you're not wrong. It's. It's been miserable to watch them shoot themselves in the foot week in and week out. And it's, you know, you keep coming and you're thinking, 
you know, you change the management, you've got two really fast drivers who are clearly, you know, at each other's throats and you, they want to compete and you want to see it go well, but, ah, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, that'll be off because if Todd comes in for the, uh, off season review, I think he'll be just heartbroken to see that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to apologize. We're going to have to apologize for him that, but I think he will agree though. This isn't a normal wall of shame. It's, it's almost off to the side of the wall of shame where it's it like, is. you're not completely, you're not in the one lady from Miami territory yet. You're not in the, you're not in the Williams territory. You're definitely not in the rich energy corner off to my left, <laughs> but you, you are on probation until you prov- prov- probation, the wall of probation. Should we put it? Should we put it like three quarters of the way towards the wall of shame, kind of in the middle of the fame and shame? Yeah, I okay. agree with that. Okay. Yep. Um, so now Luke is walking up to the wall. Uh, he is putting his mask on because that part of the wall smells quite mightily, and uh, he is placing Ferrari up there with a tear in his eye because it's just so heartbreaking, guys. This shouldn't be happening, but we have to. We have to remain objective. We have to remain somewhat in the middle. Yeah, I, that's a perfect placement. And Luke will take a picture and throw this up on our Twitter. If anybody is wondering, um, I, re- I still don't know how 101 ESPN has somehow managed the uh, the choir of angels around the Wall of Fame and the smelliness of the Wall of Shame, but I'm just impressed. Way to go, 101. We're a high-budget operation. We really are. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the Wall of Fame... It, Tim, you go to uh, you're Catholic, correct? I am Catholic, yes. Um, and as a, as a Baptist growing up, not a Southern Baptist, just a Baptist. We're not about to have a religious debate, are we? No, I'm just saying that one of the things I noticed when I went to my first Catholic mass yeah. was uh, the the kneeling before the cross every time you 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 pass in front of it, mm-hmm. and it's almost genuflecting, yes, yes, and it's almost the same reaction when you pass in front of the wall of fame, where you must take a moment. I was going to w- mention wipe that, the tear from your eye. Yeah, the, when you wa- when we when both of us walk past the wall of fame, we genuflect. Is that is that weird? Like, <laughs> can can you, dear I mean, Archbishop, please do not complain at me on Twitter. <laughs> Because I don't want to hear it, <laughs> or Father Pete, if you're listening, I really don't care. <laughs> uh, I mean, Nikki Lauda, Alan Prost, uh, Ayrton Senna, Charlie Whiting, Daryl Waltrip, the four GT. That that, that is a high class wall. I'll say that to a racing fan is, is holy ground. It is hallowed. So, it's hallowed ground. So, uh, with, with with our duties done, uh, with Scuderia Ferrari three quarters of the way towards the wall of shame, they're on probation. Which I might actually print out a probation thing <laughs> print out a probation label and put it right above <laughs> no man's probation land um right in between the two <laughs> with, with 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 our work done let's kick it in yes to the awards and the old man rant what would you like to do first um we'll tell you what i have to decide on the old man rant so let's kick it to a break for just a second i will get the rant and we will be right back. All right, we'll be right back. The Formation Lab. Welcome back. All right, Timmy boy, you got my old man rant. Let me preface this by saying, get off my freaking lawn now. <laughs> um. All right. So, as we have heard, tomorrow is a is a crucial vote in Paris. Yes, in Paris. And Luke and I are in favor, generally, of trying out new stuff. Yeah, go for it. We want to drive 
new viewership. We really want things to be exciting. And it's hard because there's not a whole lot of parity between the teams. There, There's a huge gap between the front runners, the bleeding edge of the field, and the back um, where, you know, the, the P, what, 6 through uh, 20, the rest of the way, so the the rest of the, like, 14 cars were finishing a lap, maybe two laps down because the other cars are just so doggone fast. So you need to kind of do something to do that. So you're thinking, you know, hey, the, for the betterment of the sport, you need these things to go through tomorrow at the vote. So Luke is going to rant now about how these things should not go through at the vote. Oh, Everything I'm should be overturned. All right. Here's the thing, all right, is in order to understand what greatness is, you have to be able to first witness greatness. Okay? All right. How do I put this? Okay. In in NASCAR, maybe not NASCAR. I'm trying to think of, of a sport. Okay. NBA. All right. The NBA, how much do you see people talking about the Warriors? How many casual fans do you see? Warriors this, Warriors that, right? You know why that is? Because they are greatness, because they are dominant. And why do people, you know, people don't really talk about, you know, maybe the Blues or the Capitals in the same way. Why? Because they haven't been dominant. Dominance sells. And dominance gives you the appearance and the feeling as if you're witnessing history, which is what you always want to see. It's why when, you know, the Saints win the Super Bowl, everybody's like, congratulations, Saints. But when the Patriots win the Super Bowl, it's Oh my gosh, we're watching the greatest of all time. People tune in to the Patriots games with scores of viewerships, even though maybe the the Saints are a more fun team. Um, I'm not making that statement that they are a more fun team, but you know what I'm saying. People want to witness greatness. And without greatness, you're going to have, you know, know, four Ferrari wins, three Mercedes wins, two Haas wins, three McLaren wins, right? Is Is that really going to sell? Or do you want dominance? Do you want the feeling that you are witnessing history? You are witnessing greatness, all right? People went to see Wayne Gretzky when they weren't even a fan of Wayne Gretzky or hockey. Why? Because they wanted to tell their children, I saw Wayne Gretzky, a man whose name is literally the great one. And he got that, He, by the way, side note, he got that nickname at age eight. He's called the great one. Eight years old. People go to see the Warriors. Bill Burr, specifically, he talks about this on his Monday Monday morning podcast. Uh, He says, I went to see the Warriors play the Clippers because I wanted to be able to tell my my children I saw maybe the greatest shooter of all time in Steph Curry. And I want to say that, hey, I I, I saw that, right? It's cool. And he splurged for tickets because he wanted to sit really close to it. But that's that's what draws people in is the sense of importance, the gravitas. And that's what Mercedes is giving us right now. If everybody just had an even sense of winning, right? Yeah, you could win, see somebody win, who knows, whatever, right? But no, you're watching dominance and history in the making. 30 years from now, 40 years from now, you're going to tell your kids, I saw one of the most dominant motorsports teams of all time, even to this day, of all time. And that's that's why I think dominance is good for the sport and it needs to stay. Okay. All right. I'll give that a solid B plus. B plus. Personally, I probably would have gone the route of why would you artificially uh you know, try to spur competition right. when you're being dominated. <laughs> that, but- that was a really hard both of these are really hard to state as an indie car fan. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz that's what I love about indie cars, the exactly. fact that anybody can win. That's why I chose it. <laughs> 
because I'm like, oh, he's going to love this. He doesn't believe this at all. No, he doesn't. But, and, you know, the last two weeks were kind of cruel, but I also thought you could sink your teeth into it, uh, which you did. And you know what? Uh, the, the impassioned plea, I thought, was really, really great. So Arguing well done, things is my gift. It is. When people say, man, you, you don't listen to the haters, I'm personally offended because I consider myself the epitome of a hater. Hating things is fun. <laughs> Arguing about things is great. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Speak after we've talked about religion. All right. So. All right. So it's time to kick it into, you know, start with uh, the WOTW. Yes. Let's start with the wreck of the week. Ah, listen to that music. Larry David, you comedic genius. I want to see Larry David in a race car. Wreck His of the music week. means we must talk about the wreck of the week. All right, so we have multiple nominations here, two of which are on here. I will read off the two nominations. Yep. You, can, you can state your third here. Yep. All right, so first off, Robert Kabitza. He crashed at po- possibly the worst qualifying session to crash at. I would say definitely the worst qualifying session to crash at. Then he uh, he leads to an already cra- cash-in, heart-strapped Williams team that hastily reassembled the chassis in roughly two hours. The team didn't give him new parts to run in qualifying or the race before or the race, which states that he they have you know zero confidence in him, maybe rightfully so. And then he gets on top of all that, as per usual, he gets smoked by George Russell. Yep. <laughs> That's, yep. that's not a, it's not a great weekend. No. Uh, additionally, we're going to go with Charles Leclerc or Leclerc, uh, whichever you say. I mean, I think they're both I've correct. actually heard him say it both ways. Yeah. So I, it, they're both correct. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leclerc kinds of, kind of f- flows better, I think. So uh, he was slapped with a 10-second time penalty, two penalty points. He drove an unsafe car. He ignored team orders, uh, team orders to come in. That's going to be a big yikes from me, dog. It is. My nomination this week is the F1 stewards who once again prove they are completely inept at their jobs. They have no idea what they're doing. I mean, granted. They'll do it. Oh, the protest. Okay, we'll go do our job. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're here. Yeah. We're awake. Well, that's the thing. It's like that should have been a penalty from, you know, between Leclerc and Verstappen. But uh, you said you're not going to investigate it. And, and then, then you, you do. do. But then you do it post-race. And it's like, well, this is just silly. It is. Like, it should have been. A, you should look at. I looked at that happen live, and I'm like, well, that's going to be a penalty. Did we not learn our lesson from the Canada debacle? Come on, guys. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is if you want to be more hands-off because you don't want Canada, right, then be hands-off and don't double back on it and be like, well, actually, we'll investigate it. Just go. Now that we've had uh, Christian Horner in our office right. screaming at us at the top of his lungs, we will actually reverse this decision. Right. What? Like, right. Like, no. if, if, you, if you say we're not going to investigate with it, investigate it yeah that's a i mean that's a bad decision but you know what stick with it stick with it yeah (laughs) that's all i I ask is for you not to flip-flop and don't waffle on me Uh, killing me guys killing me all right so uh i will eliminate oh this is a tough one it's a tough you you eliminate somebody first i'm going to eliminate robert kibitza i will agree with that robert kibitza had a a title contention week for record of the week but he is on the lowly Williams team, which we already expected poor things They're on out the of. wall of shame. They're on the wall of shame. Um, and, and, like, I don't – Kibitza's not specifically, but I, I, you kind of expect something like this to happen, don't you? Yeah, you do. So you didn't come in below our expectations by all that much, unlike a Charles Leclerc or an F1 stewards. And that's actually why I, I am going to argue that possibly the F1 stewards 
might des- might not deserve the wreck of the week because we didn't expect good things from the F1 stewards. I think you're right. I'll agree with that. I will eliminate my choice and actually go with Charles Leclerc because <laughs> what? <laughs> You expect him to at least act like maybe not a mature F one driver, but like a person, <laughs> right? You're gonna stay. You're gonna completely ignore your team when you can see sparks coming off, and they're saying, "Hey, come in." No, no, why? I'll I'll stay out. Oh, guys, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. He says, shooting parts at Lewis Hamilton's head. Bruh, get off the track. <laughs> like you're dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Wreck Congratulations, to to Charles Leclerc, your first wreck of the week. Driving like a numpty. Uh, you want to kick it into the scuttlebutt sector? Well, I do believe we have to crown a champion. Well, I was thinking we could save that until then. Sounds good. Okay. Scuttlebutt. Let's go to let's, the scuttlebutt. Let's do scuttlebutt sector. Uh, Russian minister has uh, talked about the possibility of a Russian F1 team. The trade and industry minister, Denis Manchurov, I'm going to say, to state television, by the way. A, a Russian F1 team is, quote, not far off. I think we should start... I think we first of all we should talk about the appearance of a Russian team, and then he continues on to say, you know, there are drivers there that are that are talented that are from Russia, and we have money, and uh, they they do have that. They do have money. Uh, my question is, why? I, I realize Renault I is a publicly a publicly funded company, but you could argue that Renault has an advertising budget, and it's also a company, right? Right. Well, yeah, it's a company, and. Renault as a team is changing, trying to change the idea of Renault from this little tiny car to, hey, we can be fast and luxurious too, right? They want to return to the days of Alonso when they right. were like, hey, we can also do like really awesome motorsport. Right. Right. So, no, I completely agree. And then They're a billboard. What is a Russian F1 team going to be for? That's sponsored by the state. For what company? Like, right. What car are, company? Are you going to be like RTTV? Like... How? Because that's a that's their Russian backed news source. Yeah, that's their state state run news organization. So, what what are you going to do? Yeah, Just like, do the <laughs> uh, Mother Russia on the side? Yeah, like, like what? Like. You need the backing of a car company. It doesn't make sense for it just to be a government-funded yeah. – because it, it ser- Renault serves a purpose. This wouldn't serve a purpose to my mind. Not to our our maybe our American Western minds where we're capitalist oriented, maybe more of a state. Hey, think of us, you know, more more favorably world. Um, oh, you so know, it's a, so it's a positive PR billboard for the state itself. Maybe, but I would also submit to you that this Russian minister may be talking with about as much expertise as the one lady from Miami. Ooh. They're okay. politicians, and at the end of the day, I believe wholeheartedly in the Robin Williams quote of uh, babies' diapers and politicians uh, should be changed often and for the same reason. Yeah. Uh, how dare you invoke that one lady from Miami's name? But, uh, but it's Lynette a, Higginbottom, it's a, curse you. <laughs> is it, was that her name? I think so, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing that he just he just pulled that out of out of nowhere, ladies and gents. If that's correct, hats off to you, sir. Well played. But anyway, uh, but I would say uh, about the industry, ah, I just don't. I agree with you. I don't see it. I don't see a purpose. And unless they're just burning money to go on a positive PR campaign, uh, you know, there's just no reason. So where does this? Where will this end up? Call your shot from the scuttlebutt sector. Will this end up in the cromulent news corner? Uh, <laughs> the the. Uh, False story, the white flag of false storyhood. Um, the, I think this is going to get the black flag of stupid. <laughs> stupid and get off the track. You're ruining my alliterations. 
<laughs> I, I am sorry, this, but I but I do I like where you're going with it. So I'm going to say the black flag of bozoness, fake black flag of fake, <laughs> black flag of fake. Okay, yep. all right. Well, uh, finally, we have <clears throat> the people's champion. He's going to have to take a breath, folks. That may have actually gone to his head a little bit. There, there it is. All right. He's right. okay. My bad. Um, we have several this week. What do you say, sir? Uh, well, introduce we have, them. We have so many possible nominees this week. I will introduce a couple of the ones. I know you have ones that aren't written. Um, so let's let's start with the ones that are written down. Uh, Valtteri Botas. He drove terrifically. He 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 provided Mercedes with that six constructors title, which has never been done before. He is the ultimate wingman. We said this before. If I had to go, you know. And, hit on a girl, I want Valtteri Botas right next to me because he's a wingman. Oh, my God. Right? Maybe not right <laughs> next to me because, you know, the girl will be like, man, that's a nice-looking dude, and why am I talking to this, you know, this short, fat guy? But, uh... <laughs> but, and he can drink, too. Yeah. I yeah, mean, uh-huh. at that at the podium ceremony, he he didn't spray everybody yeah. with the first. He just chugged it. So, so all hail the Germans, baby. All hail the Germans. Uh... The next one, you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, the Suzuka Circuit, the track once again proved why it's one of the best with a thoroughly entertaining race on Sunday. It's also visually fun to watch the cars run through every corner. It is. You, they're doing something dynamic in every single shot. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, so, no, I agree with that one. Uh, the people's champion for the last one is Sebastian Vettel. It almost looks like the Vettel of old is bat after his skillful defense of Lewis Hamilton. And, and putting it on the top. Of, or putting on the front of the grid, pole yeah, position. There you it's go. Pretty good. I, and you have one. You have another one. I actually don't. I've reconsidered. You've I re- think these three are the right ones. You've reconsidered. Yes. Because I, I was going to broach Alex Albon. I didn't see the reason I didn't bring him up is because while he is impressive and he's who we want at Red Bull, I wouldn't say he's risen to the level of people's champion yet because he just did his job. It wasn't anything spectacular, and it wasn't like he did anything beyond clipping Lando Norris, who, uh, all due respect, he did applaud uh, Albon not getting any penalties. Mm. Um, So it was kind of a mixed bag for me. Uh, I like him as a driver. I think the future is bright for Red Bull. Um, But, yeah, I wouldn't say he's risen to the level of people's champ. Uh, Can I nominate another people's champion? By all means, sir. Uh, Any Japanese fan with an incredible hat. I would actually the DRS hat guys. You know what? The DRS hat the DRS guys. DRS hat guys. I'm going to take it one step further, and I will make a nomination. Go for it. All the Japanese fans. Yeah, we're counting little Lewis Hamilton here, but like, dude, they packed the house. They had DRS hats. There was one guy. Uh, I think this so was a couple cool. of years ago with a little LED indicator like board that had like you know checkered flag, green yeah. flag, and he could change it depending on what the race was. Yeah, and <laughs> safety and it, cars out, and it'll say the little SC on. I it. love seeing all the little kids. Yeah, like they were all thrilled to be there and engaged. It was so cool to see. It was just just the amount of fandom that I saw Japan pouring out was just so awesome. This is why you could. It. This is why you should never leave Japan. You should never go to the Fuji Speedway. Nope. Um, Suzuka is the Suzuka way to go. Suzuka is the track. It's Honda owned. It's just too much sense. It's too perfect. All right, so uh, let's eliminate. Some drivers. Um, <laughs> because we're not going to eliminate Suzuka. <laughs> no. 
or the fans. Well, the first one we're going to eliminate. I'm going to go with Valtteri Bottas. He did. He, he had a good. He had a good job. Um, he but, did a good job. But ultimately, um, it's not people's champ worthy because you, you're not exactly going to lift up Mercedes' sixth title and be like, "Oh hell, the sixth right?" Like it's it was, not. And it was a foregone conclusion. It's not a champion of the people. Nope. And I'm going to eliminate Seb because. I Hey, man, it's about time you showed up for the 2019 season. Yeah, Jesus. it's what I expected. Yeah, it's what we were coming to expect out of the entire season. It's nice to see you show up, but good Lord, man. Right, expectations play a heavy role in both of these awards. So, I'm going to make a proposal. Do, do, make your proposal, because I think I know where you're going with this one. I think we award it to not only the Suzuka Circuit, but Japanese fans. I think I think we should just bundle it all up I and, agree. Say, and say Suzuka. Well done. Suzuka. As a whole. Suzuka as a whole. Because I think well, the city is located in Suzuka. Yeah, yeah, well done. That was an absolutely phenomenal weekend. Congratulations, well Suzuka. Ah, uh, God, I can't wait to go back next year. Dude, I want to go back right now. <laughs> Why we got to go to Mexico next, man? At the very least, Mex- yeah. Mexico might not be a great track, but after coming from Singapore and Sochi... Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, but yeah, but, no. Hey, I, you know, we got Coda coming up in the future. We got uh, Brazil coming up. Coda uh, on the 26th? Yep. Yep. Or hey, no, 7th. Yeah, yeah, we will uh, We will be live tweeting that, I think. Um, just because, hey, it's it's 2 o'clock on a Sunday for us. Right? Yeah. It's in our time zone. You, we're going to watch it live. Exactly. So uh, I think that's uh, that'll do it. I, I think, think that is. I think next week we'll uh, do some little track preview stuff. We'll talk about IndyCar's uh ongoing uh tests with the arrow screen uh and uh who knows we might we might have a new uh wall of shame wall of fame member we we might do some upgrades who knows yeah who knows the 101 espn has uh, seen fit to give us a great budget so who knows what we might do to the studio we might we, <laughs> we might put we might put somebody in the uh, rich energy corner just kidding no we won't nobody's that low yet <laughs> well well <laughs> there are some characters We'll talk about it next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, folks. Have a See good one. Guys. See you next time. tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! At Metro, the best deal in wireless is on. Switch to Metro and get one full Amazon Prime membership included every month. Plus, get two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens. All with two lines for just 90 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.